0: Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, Melbourne-based beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them, the ones they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that gives them their signature look, ...or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career... ...and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is Laura Henshaw, co-founder of Keep It Cleaner. Keep It Cleaner, or Kik as it's affectionately referred to... ...is one of Australia's leading health and fitness programs... ...aimed at women, young women in particular. Laura, a former model... Law student and influencer founded it originally as an e-book with fellow model and best friend Steph-Claire Smith, and in five years Kik has grown to a multifaceted business, including healthy treats you can find in your local supermarket too. It focuses not just on exercise or food, but health as a whole. You'll find no mention of diet or weight loss, a definitive decision made by the pair's own experience in the modelling industry where appearance and worth become dangerously linked. If you are one of Laura's a quarter of a million Instagram followers on Instagram alone, no doubt you'll have an idea of a passionate, bubbly, beautiful and successful person. From this interview, I can confirm, at least from my perspective, (laughs) that is entirely accurate positive, honest, kind and generous, Laura welcomed me into her Melbourne home with open arms to explore her relationship with beauty, health, relationships, and how a hobby turned into a lucrative business. We talked about her struggle to separate her value from her looks in the early years of modelling, dealing with the trolling that comes with having a public profile, finding the motivation to put your health first on a day-to-day basis, she had some very realistic and refreshing advice on that the go-to sheet mask she swears by for moments of self-care, and her secret DJing past. She was candid, honest, and full of valuable advice and insights that we could all be reminded of. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate five stars, and write a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have Instagram and you're listening, share a screenshot on your story and tag me at Beauty Island Podcast so I can see and share. Now, over to Laura. Enjoy, Laura.
1: Welcome to Beauty Island. Thank you for having me. I've listened to your podcast for a long time, so I really
0: appreciate you having me on. Oh, I'm so chuffed! I'm so excited <laughs> to be in your spare room chatting. Oh yes, we are on
1: this in the spare room, and it's hot in the air, and we can't have the aircon on because um, we're recording. So sorry about that. The Glamour
0: of Podcasts. <laughs> um, what was your first memory of beauty? So, my first
1: memory of beauty, it's funny when I think back to my childhood, it's such a muddled kind of memory because I've got a positive memory about beauty, which is probably my first one, and then it kind of became a little bit more negative. So, my first memory was probably going, I think like most people, going into my mum's bathroom and going through her products, mainly when she wasn't home because... (laughs) and she'll probably listen to this um but That's yeah. exposed. <laughs> when um yeah so when she wasn't home and going through her products and she I remember she had a lot of lipsticks and I just loved look I didn't really wear them I just like looking at all the colors and she had um, a lot of Clinique and Estee Lauder kind of things but I remember it being like a really special makeup being a really special treat my mom didn't really wear it every day And because growing up, we were comfortable, but she didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of money for mum to go and get facials and all those things. So her makeup products were quite, I suppose, special products for her. So that's why I don't worry mum, if you're listening, I didn't go, (laughs) I didn't use too much of them, but I kind of remember it like that being like an almost a really special treat that you only kind of wore on a special occasion and you didn't really need to wear it every day. And then I think from there, it kind of moved into Uh, my next I suppose time I was exposed to it was in maybe towards the end of primary school side of high school when it was something that kind of almost made you compare yourself to other kids because I mean in primary school you have a school uniform and same in high school but the one kind of thing that differentiated a lot of the people was if you wore makeup or if you didn't and what products you had and I think that a lot of my friends had you know all these really nice expensive products and I didn't really have any so I remember I that was another memory I kind of have with it where it was I suppose more of a sad memory because I just thought of like comparison and I wish I could go back and tell myself that of course like in year eight what type of mascara I wore did not matter oh my goodness it didn't matter at all I didn't need it but yeah that's kind of my first memory so it started positive and then kind of turned into a bit more negative
0: negative. and the first product on your list is inspired by what you kind of found in your mum's makeup drawer, which is obviously Clinique yes um, and your product is the Clinique Chubby Stick yes tell me about
1: that one so that is I think actually mum didn't have the Chubby Stick at the time but Clinique has a distinct smell to their products. I so I kind of remember the smell and the chubby stick when I first started with makeup. I started with more powdery makeup but the chubby stick I love because it's more of a dewy um not so I don't know it just makes your skin still look like real skin. So it's I use the brown one and the pink one. So for um the blush <laughs> the, the bronzer. <laughs> yes. Um but I do love it and the smell reminds me of my mum's bathroom when when I was younger.
0: Yeah. And I know you'd obviously do a lot of traveling as well. I feel like anything in stick form makes things so much easier as yes. well. Yes, it does. You talked just before about kind of those two first and kind of conflicting memories with beauty. And when we talk about your relationship with beauty now, how do you reflect on it? Is it a, a positive one now or is it still, I suppose we all have the ups and downs and Day to day. Yeah, well, it's actually funny. I was thinking about it before and
1: I was thinking, how have I kind of evolved from this experience I had in my childhood? And it's funny, I kind of got out of it and because I really connected with sport in school and I loved that and I kind of stopped caring about the other stuff. But then when I started, or when I was about, I think I was 19 when I got into modeling and I then kind of started doing a few things with social media and kind of got into the influencer space, I suppose. But when I started, I didn't really know who I was or what I was doing or what the point of me being on social media was. I was kind of just sharing, I suppose, I shared some recipes, so that's what I knew I loved. But I also was sharing like random fashion stuff and fashion is just not me. Anyone that follows me will know that. It's just, you know, I like wearing clothes I feel comfortable in and I've kind of learned to to know that. But I remember uh, kind of when I first entered the industry, I'd go to fashion events and Beauty again for me, it was back to the same feeling when I was um, younger of feeling inadequate if I didn't have the same products or my makeup wasn't professionally done. And it's one of those things where I'm sure no one would have noticed, like no one's looking, no one cares. But in your mind, you just—it's the biggest thing in the world. And I suppose because I, I wasn't confident enough in myself to know that you know I was worthy to be there, no matter what my makeup looked like or what I was wearing. Um, compared to what other people were wearing or however they'd done their makeup. I just didn't know who I was, so I wasn't confident. And then I think now that's changed completely. Now I kind of love not wearing makeup. When I wear it, I, it kind of sometimes annoys me because especially fake eyelashes, they just feel heavy and then it makes me sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> but I I always kind of think back to that. But yeah, I'm really happy now that I'm I'm in a place where I know that if I go somewhere, um, I'm kind of trying to move out of the influencing. It's kind of a funny word. I mean, of course, if I have a big social media following, I'm so lucky to have that. And so I, I suppose I technically do influence people, but I'm kind of trying to move towards, cause I mean, my day-to-day life is running the business, keep it cleaner. So kind of moving towards more of being a businesswoman as opposed to an influencer or just an influencer, um, as, as my job. So, and I feel like I, am worthy now and you know in my own skin doesn't matter what I look like doesn't matter what I'm wearing because I kind of offer more value than what I just look like like what's on face value but I think when I first started modeling my value was you know solely on what I looked like so that's kind of how I felt about it.
0: So tell me about those early days modeling because I know you've obviously spoken about your passion for sport your your passion for food and, and not really in that fashion space so how did it all come about? what were those early years like?
1: So it started I remember when I was in younger I was asked a few times to do it and I you know it sounds kind of cool and I feel like you just when growing up I read um, all the magazines like well mainly just Dolly when I say all the magazines <laughs> it's the only one I was allowed to read um, but it looked like modeling just seemed like the coolest thing ever to do and when I was I think I was about 19 I was at my cousin's engagement party and one of her friends there worked for a modeling agency and asked me to come and see her and I went in and they signed me on and that was really exciting and I think with modeling it's one of those things where you you just you just keep putting yourself out there and out there and out there because there's this kind of thing that you believe that you could just get a break and you could get I suppose lucky and you could go in front of the right person and then your career might take off. But I mean, the reality is for most people like me, that you work in one month, maybe for one hour, you get booked on one job, but you go to 30 castings and you get rejected from all of them. So my experience with modeling was a lot of rejection, lower self-worth. I had a really bad relationship with food at the time because I, again, my worth was my body and my body in my mind wasn't skinny enough. So I wanted to get skinnier. So I just had that bad relationship. And then I suppose I also then was just starting to post on social media and so, and get onto social media. And that kind of didn't help the relationship with with myself because growing up with food, I mean, we just because I just played sport. I didn't even think about it. I didn't know what a diet was. I was so lucky. The only kind of time I saw the word diet was on the front of a magazine with a celebrity. And I didn't associate it with anything else. My mum never spoke about it at home. She was never on a diet. I was really lucky because a lot of my friends did have their parents, I suppose, pushing them a little bit with what they were eating and I never had that. But it's funny even going through it as a I suppose it probably was the worst between when I was about 19 and maybe 22 23 I really should have been old enough to know better um but you know it at the time you just you don't realize and I think it was again going back to the thing that I my whole self-worth was directly related to what I looked like and so with the modeling industry I'm I don't really do it at all now I do it I work um with Jagged which is a sports brand I'm their ambassador I love shooting for them apart from that I don't really do much of it because I just I I don't know I just feel like you're not in control of really much apart because it's all based on what you look like and obviously Jagged don't put any pressure on me of course that's why I still do it. I love working with them because they love me for me but I just I feel that for me associating what I look like and my worth is it's just not a A good mindset, I suppose.
0: And I suppose, like you said, the things that you do now are on your own terms. That comes with age, experience, reputation and everything. But in those early days, people are just judging you exactly based on your face. There's nothing personal about it. And I imagine it really, like you said, there's no, it's no surprise that it has such an impact on your, Mm. how you feel about yourself. The second product on your list is the one that you kind of remember from your early interactions with makeup which is the Maybelline Dream Matte mousse foundation which is i think anyone our age it's just an iconic beauty product yes. maybe not tinged with the best <laughs> memories but um tell me about tell me about your experience with that product well i
1: don't have it anymore i'm not sure if they still sell it i think they briefly brought it back
0: but it's uh, not quite got the status that it once had okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well i mean that product it was a mousse foundation and when i was i think i started wearing foundation maybe when I got a job and I could buy it so it was probably when I was about 15 or 16 and I wanted makeup that covered every single pore of my face and kind of when I wore makeup it was almost too because I didn't want to look like myself which is so funny because now when I wear makeup I only like products that I suppose just complement my face and make it you know add a little bit of blush to my cheeks or a little bit of color but I don't like changing what I look like but back then it was all about transformation like how much foundation can i layer on to transform myself and i used to wear this yeah this all my friends we did it and we'd buy shades that were way too dark for our skin and they wouldn't blend it and then we'd use the whitest concealer and then eyeliner and mascara and that was all so my face literally just had no color no pores (laughs) it was just this skin that didn't match with my neck so yeah, that's that was my relationship with makeup because I just, I, I wanted to look totally different and I think that's also because I wasn't, I suppose, allowed to wear it at school or mum didn't really wear it very much. I just thought like, oh, when I when I can wear it, I'll just, you know, go to the next level and it was almost like I was going to a dance concert or, in a, you know, when um, a lot of my friends did dancing and they will make up a bit, It's I stage suppose. makeup, isn't yes. it? Yeah, and that's what I was going for. I was like, this is
0: what they do. I should do this too. <laughs> You spoke about you know that really unique and awful pressure in the that can be found in the modeling industry that affected the way that you viewed your health, and I know that that's while awful at the time, actually it helped inform your mission for what you wanted to do with yeah. Keep It Cleaner. So tell me about how the the idea for Keep It Cleaner was born. So
1: that actually started, so the one good thing that came out of modelling was I met Steph um, at, it I was, was going to ask, yeah, so yes, you met that there. that was through modelling. So it was in our first fashion week I'd ever, well, both of us had ever done. So I'd signed with that agency and then I think the casting for fashion week was maybe four or five weeks after, so it was quite soon and I had no idea. I walked like a giraffe, I because you had to wear heels in the casting and I had heels that were way too high for me because, again, when I wore – I think I did everything extreme. So when I could wear high heels, I'd wear the highest possible because I just wanted to look totally different. So I had these heels and I have very skinny ankles. So I remember the age were at the casting and they did this video and I was in the video and I just – my ankles were just shaking and I was walking and I looked so uncomfortable. Anyway, I don't know why they casted me for it but I got into it and that's where I met Steph and then from there – I went and modelled overseas for a few months and so did Steph and we both kind of went through the pressures of um, what I was talking about before, like putting a lot of pressure on yourself and having to lose weight and because we both modelled overseas, in Australia the industry is quite good, they really, like size 10 is the normal size whereas overseas a 6, a 4 to a 6 is normal so we both struggled with that and because we're both not naturally that size to be that size we kind of had to hardly eat not help being basically not healthy and exercise excessively and I think when we when Steph came back and I came back and we started talking about I suppose we kind of helped each other through that a little bit because we could relate to each other and then Steph actually had a dream and she um it's so funny She she had a dream that we started an ebook or we made an ebook together an actual dream a dream like a dream not like just like, just, like no, a dream no, no. Yeah, it wasn't like I had a dream. <laughs> dream it was like I had a dream last night Laura and I, at the time, had a food blog. I'd started it when I went and modelled overseas I, because I had to defer uni. I didn't know what I was going to do with my spare time. And I thought, you know, I'm finally going to start sharing my passion for healthy recipes and cooking online. So I'll start a blog. Um, and that was when blogging was quite big back then. I suppose now it's not as big as it was, but that was kind of it was like having a social media page, starting a blog. A lot of people had them and so i had my blog and to even start that the conf- i had no confidence thinking oh my god no one's going to you know take the time to enter my website url and go and look at it let alone make the recipes and so then when steph said we can sell an ebook i was like oh my goodness no way you know people i can't believe people go and look at my recipes for free like let alone buy you know pay i think we was 19.95 for this ebook anyway we and also I said we don't know how to make an ebook like you know my food styling is not that great what are we going to do and we just we ended up just googling it one of Steph's um, friends from school was a graphic designer and he helped us he was amazing so he did all the design for the book and We shot thirty-seven recipes in one day, which is just you don't do that. You shoot about ten, and you have all this help. But we had Steph's mum Wendy, um, Steph and I kind of pre-prepared everything, and also on the day. And um, when we released the book, there were spelling mistakes in it, and there's all these things. But we did it, and I suppose it was a really nice. While we look back on that now, and we were like, oh my goodness, we would never, ever, ever put any piece of work out there like that. It was a really cool thing because we didn't know how to do it we taught ourselves how to do it and we released something and it wasn't perfect but no nothing happened and I think it was a really good lesson for me in failing not that it failed like you know it sold really well which was awesome but not being so scared of kind of doing things and doing things wrong because at the end of the day you can fix it and so we released this ebook and it went really well and from there health blogs and things were quite popular but it was quite a different industry everything was it was either very transformationy very diet kind of associated um, like a lot of fitspo type things or the recipes were really complicated and really expensive and took three hours to make and so ours was just really simple and I think it was one of the first very very simple books that went out there Um, which is why um, a lot of young girls related to it because they were like hang on these girls like these photos don't look that good I can probably do it better (laughs) and they did they take photos and we could they look better than the ones in our book and that was awesome so that's kind of where it started and then from there it's grown into the app that it is today and it's kind of always had the same we've always had the same mission and it's just to make health kind of more accessible and and easy and break it down and just support young women because we'd both been through those experiences and
0: We just wanted to help them get through it, I suppose. And looking back from the ebook to the hugely successful and innovative app it is now, what is kind of the moment that you kind of see that kind of signaled that change that it was turning into something really big?
1: I think it was when we launched our first program. It's so funny, I still now can, it's so funny when you're in your own business, you can still see so many things. Like I, Steph and I have so much, like such a big I suppose vision for kick now we're still in it and it's obviously we try and focus on celebrating small wins which I think is so important everyone should do it but it's funny when you're in it it's very hard to see that point where you think it's successful because I think also your definition of success changes as you grow older and experience different things but I think it was it was probably when we started the program and people kind of wanted to do it every day which was crazy because before that the ebook is obviously you release it and then that's all you don't really get to com- kind of um, communicate with the community. And then we did a blog in between that, which again is not, there's not many touch points for you to communicate. We kind of put, uh, I think, four recipes a month or something on there, and um, we didn't have an actual community online. And when we launched the program, we started a Facebook community. And that, I think, is where we realized that it's just, it was just so special hearing stories from people that where kick it helped or changed like for some girls it's changed their life and that is just the most special and beautiful thing in the whole world and I think when we realized that we were helping real people not just you know our family and friends who probably we thought just bought it to support us (laughs) just saying nice things to you (laughs) yes like people that didn't know us and they were like "I, I don't know what I would have done without this it was like okay wow this is serious yeah it was it's been
0: amazing third product on your list is kind of the first high-end or expensive product that you remember (laughs) buying which is the hourglass bronzing palette tell me about that one
1: yes so my relationship with bronzer has changed a bit so after I went through the um matte my whole face stage then I went through bronze my whole face stage um and now we've all been there yes yes (laughs) but now it's just a bit less I suppose so I think I bought that my, my hourglass my first hourglass palette it had three squares of bronzer different colors one was a highlighter I think and now I've got a different one similar but still hourglass and I love it but it was when I went into Mecca for the first time and I feel like Mecca was the first store that you went in and you didn't feel pressure to buy anything and they wanted the team they wanted to give you samples and they didn't mind if you weren't spending money and that was, I don't know, for me, that was the first beauty experience where I didn't feel pressured or like, a, you know, when you're buying one thing and then you had to buy something else. And I think at that point I was, oh, I can't remember, I was, well, I think I just started uni. I was waitressing. So, you know, earning $15 an hour. So I couldn't afford to go and buy all these expensive beauty products, but I'd save up for something like the bronzer and go in. And I felt really comfortable going into Mecca because it didn't, it didn't feel pushy. And I didn't feel like I was going to walk out there and, Because I'm such a, I cave so easily. (laughs) So I I didn't want to go into an, I just avoid environments where I'm going to be pushed with salespeople. But yeah, in Mecca, I just found it was a really nice experience. And that's when I bought this um, Hourglass 3 bronzer pack thing, which lasted me like three years. So it was such a good, good value. Um, But yeah, that was my first experience, I think, buying something more expensive than just shopping at, you know,
0: Coles or Woolworths. All the while that you've been building this incredible business, I know you've also been studying law, which you started, I think, before it all yes. kind of grew up. <laughs> and I know that you are almost approaching the end of your degree. How has that juggle been? And I mean, obviously, law having a law degree in your up up your sleeves is obviously a very useful skill to have. But given how successful the business has become, I imagine with so much on your plate, what kind of kept you determined that this was something that you wanted to to complete as well?
1: Yeah, well, I go through stages <laughs> where I'm very motivated and then I'm like, oh, I just want to quit. But I'm not I'm not much of a quitter. So I once I start something, I want to finish it. And I've been at uni. Uh, so I finished school in 2010. I've deferred a little bit, but basically I've been at uni for 10 years. So my degree's about to expire so i have to finish it and i will finish unless touchwood i don't fail anything at the end of this year but my it's funny my relationship with uni's changed so much when i first went there it was kind of i don't know why i chose law i was originally enrolled in you know when you finish or actually before you get your atar you have to do your preferences preferences yes and i think you get to choose five and I had dietetics as my first preference at Deakin and then I got my ATAR back and you have a window where you can change your preferences and I the score I got I was so surprised with I never thought I would get and I did way better in English than I thought I would and so I thought oh my god I can get into law I'm gonna do law that's so prestigious and you know my mom would be so proud of me if I get this like because my mum I went to a semi-private school like a catholic school and mum had to work really hard and, and to send us there. So I kind of felt like I um, I wanted to do well in my career, I suppose, to show her that I was so grateful for the education that I got. And so that's why I thought, oh, you know, wow, imagine I do law, like everyone's going to be so proud of me and everything. Anyway, so into law I went and I started in law arts. Arts was just, I'm not The fact that I did well in English in year 12 was a big fluke, really. (laughs) Uh, Arts was just not for me. It's funny, in year 12 I did mainly science and math subjects. I'm more that side of the brain than arty. But when I got to uni, they said, oh, you're not doing a double degree. You should be doing one. So that's when I just thought, oh, I like French. I'll do arts. But then I transferred into business law, which I love. Um, I really loved business. So, But when I started, because I had no idea about – I had no idea. Like I just didn't know about the court system. I didn't even know terms for – the types of judges and the different types of courts I was just in under I was just literally flew through myself in the deep end but I also didn't really care about it because at that stage I was uh, I went through a stage where I was DJing just for a year
0: really <laughs> yes. what was I, your DJ
1: name oh just me and my friend um Tani so it was DJ and Tani and I had peroxide blonde hair with half pink dip that I did myself from a bottle Wow. Yeah. So that was a bad beauty moment, (laughs) I suppose. I think I was just, my mum was very strict on drinking. And I think I got so excited that I could finally go out that I decided to just go all in in with it (laughs) anyway. So my focus was kind of away from uni at that point. And then I nearly failed my first semester and I realized, okay, I need to really focus. And I ended up deferring a semester because I was trying to buy a car and being at uni and doing uni and working part-time, it's so hard to save for a car. So I deferred and worked full-time at a hospital um, as a ward clerk and then I worked a waitress at night to save for my car. And doing that, which was something that doing administration work wasn't for me, I really I really didn't like it. The days, oh, I felt like I was there for 24 hours and I was there for eight. So that kind of gave me drive to go back into uni. And then the business, I suppose, kind of turned into a business about probably about three years ago, it became more serious when I've, and since then I've gone part-time with my study, but now my study has become almost like a, an outlet, which is so funny. If I wish I could tell myself when I was 20, (laughs) that it would become like this. It's become an outlet because I feel that when I'm at uni, when I'm learned, like it's It's pretty cool to be able to, you know, get an education and to learn. Like I I now know, I think before I thought I knew everything and now I know that I definitely don't know everything and I have so much to learn. So I really value that time there. It's kind of just time for me where I just get to sit there and learn and there's no other pressure. And if I get something wrong, the only person who's going to be affected is me, which is kind of a bit of relief because in everyday work life, there's so many people that are affected by any decisions that we make so yeah it's become an outlet and I kind of enjoy it it's it's hard when exam times come because I have to balance that with work and I'm very conscious of not letting my uni kind of affect the team in any way whatsoever because it's kind of something not not selfish I I kind of feel a little bit selfish doing it because it's you know while it kind of helps with being able to read contracts and stuff Kind of my thing that I do on the side. So it's a bit hard during that time, but apart from that, I, I kind of enjoy it. And it, it's going to be funny when I finish because I've been going to, you know, school and uni literally for nearly my whole life like 10 years at uni is so long. So I reckon when I finish, I'm probably going to go and study something else just because I won't know. I don't know. I just really like it. Yeah. I don't know what it's going
0: to be though. <laughs> anyway, I love that. Straight out of the law degree into another one. <laughs> Has your own relationship with health and fitness changed as you've become so much more immersed in it as a job? Because I know that you're also involved with Jagged and AIA Vitality as well. So how has it changed your relationship to fitness and sport that you've always loved when it becomes part of your job as well? Well, I think one thing that I've noticed is that some,
1: there was, there's was there been times when you get so busy with work, and I'm sure everyone will relate to this, and you and the most ironic thing is that I work in health and my health has probably been my last priority because I've been so busy with work working on health things but not being healthy so you know there's it's a bit ironic but I find that my relationship with health has changed and that I used to think and I mean I think it's because it's what we're taught at school health equals exercise diet and sleep and nothing else but what I've learnt is that is not the case at all obviously our mental health is so important, and so I've learned that it's not always just about getting my workout in and eating healthy and sleeping, there's so much more to kind of being healthy than, than that. And I try to implement things like meditation now. Um, I'm trying to do more yoga, which I'm not great at, but I used to like strongly dislike it, and now I have just a neutral relationship with it i'm kind of learning to love it which is awesome but i'm learning to implement slower things into my routine and my life which help my mental health and and my physical health as well but i never thought about it like that before and so that's probably been the the biggest thing just focusing on my mental health more which is just as important as as my physical health
0: And i love that that's obviously reflected in kick you do speak to the whole holistic sphere of health And we talked about influence before. One of the things that I really love that you do is you share what I kind of think of the sweaty side of fitness, (laughs) like not the glossy Fitspo stuff, the real stuff that we can all relate to on days where you really don't want to work out. And, you know, you've talked about those. Where do you find that motivation or what's kind of your tip for for beating those days?
1: Well, first of all, you have to kind of work out what kind of day it is, because sometimes you actually need to rest and sometimes it'll be your body just saying just keep sleeping or just take it easy this morning so there's that where you do need to rest and don't push yourself but then there's the you know I can't be bothered today other feeling and that's the kind of the feeling that I try to push through and I think with exercise for me it's just a part of my routine that's like brushing my teeth I don't think about it I get up I I kind of I don't expect to be motivated for every workout. And I think that's that's a really big one. I think sometimes people think, and people probably sometimes think that I wake up every day and like, oh my God, yes, I get to work out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely not the case. You know, maybe just one out of 10 times I'll feel actually motivated to exercise. But all the other times that I suppose is more discipline and routine. And I just know that if I get up and I do my workout, my day is so much more productive, my mind is clearer. I just feel so much better and so I kind of especially when I have really busy days I know if I don't start it the right way I will get more stress during the day so if I've started it with my workout I just know it sets my day up so much better and that's what I think about and I feel also sometimes exercise can be so empowering because you when you think that you can't do something and then you do it it's the best feeling it's such an amazing confident booster and so i think that that helps as well
0: the fourth product on your list is one that will serve you very well on beauty island which is a <laughs> sunscreen which um is the la roche Posay. again i haven't said this out loud before the anthelios either have i <laughs> we will go with that. The La Roche Posay sunscreen. You know, Je- um,
1: Gemma is uh, the uh, one of the ambassadors, and she, the way she pronounces everything is just incredible. And she knows how to say that. I've heard her say it before, but I don't say we'll it have as to well. Confirm, Gemma? Yeah, once,
0: yeah. To clarify that, watch the space. <laughs> but tell me about the sunscreen.
1: Yes, so. Uh, it's so important and I love this particular product because it you can wear it under makeup it's not heavy it's really lightweight which I really love and it, it just almost gives you a bit of a glow which is always good but my relationship with tanning just like everything else I've kind of spoken about has changed so much over the years and I wish I could go back and tell my younger self that I should not have laid in the sun. I'm so mad at myself when I think about what I used to do when I didn't wear sunscreen and I used to buy tanning oil. It just makes me so upset. But I think we, I just wasn't educated about the, I suppose, the effects of the negative effects of um, sun tanning and the risks of skin cancer. And the only people telling me not to do it were my parents and, or, and my auntie and, you know, people like that, and that I was like, oh, you're not cool. You don't know. I know everything. You don't. But now I know that, you know, with social media, I'm kind of lucky that I know a lot of younger girls follow me and some of them might think I'm kind of cool, I suppose, like maybe cooler than their parents. <laughs> so I take it upon myself like a big responsibility to hopefully try and tell them and teach them things like to wear sunscreen. That they might listen to me because I wish someone that I looked up to told me that when I was younger because I probably would have listened to them. But yeah, it's just so important to protect your skin. And for me personally, I'd hardly tan. I would go in the sun for a week or if I was away and... Put wear no sunscreen and fully burn myself and my tan would last two weeks and I look back and think oh my goodness how silly could I have been you know just to have a tan for two weeks to kind of risk getting skin cancer and I got way more freckles from that um, than I ever had before obviously because my skin was getting damaged from the sun so Yes, I now wear sunscreen all the time. I, the best tan is that, you know, I used to always want to fake tan myself, but now I do it way less. I'm not as worried about it as I used to be, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I only the only tan I ever get is from
0: a can if I have one because I just, yeah, it's just so important to protect your skin. Such an important shift. Mm. <clears throat> and that's why I know that the cool time on melanoma, shameless as I pledge, there are yes. so many great campaigns educating on why... You should be wearing sunscreen and the dangers of a tan. So we don't really have any excuse now, which I think is is a really good yes. situation to be in. You have become figures of influence in business, as you said, with Kik. What's something that surprised you or how you found challenging as your profile has grown in that space? There's a few things. Well, the
1: first one's probably been proving um, myself and Steph's the same, just that I I think sometimes we started, I mean, as models and influencers, and that's totally fine. And without social media, we wouldn't have been able to grow our business. And so I'm very grateful for that. And we use it now all the time. But I think it's been hard trying to break free from just being known as an influencer or a model and being known as and being taken seriously, I suppose. So that's been something that we kind of still battle with a little bit. And I think the funniest thing is, I used to always think if I just do this with the business or if I just do this accomplishment, then I will be taken more seriously. And it's funny, the more success we've had, almost the more people try and put us in a box and say, oh no, but it's just because of that. It's just because of that. They've had everything handed to them or whatever it might be. And so I kind of have tried to not worry as much about that. But I think the hardest thing has been criticism and just feedback online from about things and I take things to heart and if it's about my looks now I really don't care if someone you could say the meanest thing about how I look I won't won't worry me at all but if people question my intentions or um or say that kick is not helping women or got I suppose go against anything that I really really believe in that's what really hurts me because I'm quite sensitive, I'm quite a sensitive person and I also do care what people think and I kind of need to try and get over that, but it's just so hard, it's so much easier. I mean, I I preach it all the time, like you shouldn't worry what others think, like choose your five people that you care about their opinion and go with them, but yeah, it's hard to actually apply that in your life. So that's probably been the hardest thing for me is just not taking that all on because I feel when you take on other people's or more trolling it's not even constructive criticism I'm all about constructive criticism that's fine because that's how you get better and improve and learn but trolling is just something that just it just feels so heavy because you just hold it so that's probably been the hardest thing yeah
0: And I think in some ways, obviously, we'd all love that magical answer to not let other people's opinions Mm. bother. But I think in some ways it's more powerful to hear you speak about how it's still a lesson in progress because I think it's something that everyone, no matter what your scale of influence or following, Mm. it's something that we all come into contact with. And while it's easy to let the one negative thing sit we've spoken before about how kick is so focused on community so what are the things that you've kind of learned from the community or is there a particular particular feedback when you get from the community that really has the same positive effect on you
1: one of the biggest things I think I have learned from our community is just how they get through things I think sometimes and it's been also to put yourself in someone else's shoes because I think sometimes you can think that you've had a really hard day and feel sorry for yourself almost I suppose and then you I go in there and and I read what someone else has been through and that they've been able to come out of that and overcome adversity and feel confident and I think oh my goodness like you look what you've done and I feel so inspired and it just helps me so much dealing with whatever I'm dealing with because I'm like look at this amazing woman like she's dealt with that and look at her now like she's feeling good and I think it's it's that's the nicest thing seeing women especially in our industry I mean tall poppy syndrome is just so annoying and so common in Australia I think but in our community like there's none of that there's no jealousy there's no people trying to bring anyone down it's just women making other women feel good and giving each other confidence because I think confidence is the most important thing in the whole world and I I think back to the kind of more negative experiences I've had with beauty I suppose and where I haven't felt confident and I think that if I just had it almost you have to fake it till you make it and as I said I might have had the wor- you, could, you could be wearing the, you know, according to, I don't know, who the fashion police are, but I don't know, whatever, the latest mags, the worst fashion outfit. But if you're confident in it, no one's going to question you. People are going to just see oh, wow, she's confident. That must be what you're meant to wear. And I think that's something that I've learned from the community is just to own it. And, yeah, it's really awesome to see women just bringing each other up and sharing their stories. And, and knowing that Kick has helped like the tiniest bit with that is just the best thing in the whole world.
0: The fifth product on your list is your kind of self-care go-to go to product, which is the um, go-to uh, Transformazing Sheet Mask. Tell me about why you love that one so much.
1: So I love it because when I put it on, I feel like I'm doing something for myself. So that's the first thing. And I also like it, and I'm going to try and give some, This I can't. I don't know how to speak in um, beauty terms. So (laughs) whatever you say is the right
0: way to say it. So
1: So, I have felt with other sheet masks when I put them on, they feel heavy and uncomfortable, and then I take them off and my face is sticky and I just want to wash it, which I feel is defeats the purpose. But this mask is so light, and when you take it off, you just feel hydrated, and I never want to wash my face, and it's. You can wear it, put it, or put it on before makeup. Don't put makeup on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> bit of a waste. Um, you can put it on before makeup and it helps your makeup sit on your skin better. And I just love it. I It's my favorite mask that I've ever bought. And I think it's only, it's $9. So it's still a treat. You wouldn't want to be doing that every day, but of course I don't. But every now and then, yeah, I love doing it. <laughs> I
0: was going to say the most dangerous thing. I, I go to Sydney a, a fair bit because my parents live there and the new Mecca store in the airport (gasps) yes the go to transform amazing mask is the thing I always buy when you've got time to be like oh I'll just wander in (laughs) and that's the thing I always come out with so I I agree it's a brilliant sheet mask (laughs) working with your best friend I think is probably a brilliant situation to find yourself in because you're working with someone you love spending time with but what is the best thing about it and is there anything that is challenging do you ever feel like sometimes you just want to hang out and not talk about business
1: yeah I mean of course so the best thing is the I suppose working with someone that you can just trust 100% is is the best thing in the whole world and the respect we have for each other and I suppose is how much we care about each other and are aware of each other's feelings and can read each other so you know I know Seth signs when she's might be upset or might feel overwhelmed and same for her with me And that really, really helps knowing that someone always has your back is just the best. But then I suppose the more negative side of it is that you start work becomes your whole life because and now we we make a conscious effort to do it. And Steph actually said it was about last year. She said we need to start doing things that have nothing to do with work. And we're not allowed to talk about work because, you know, we have we have so much fun at work, but it's also important to do non-work things together. Um, and so we do, I mean, we, we schedule them in and we do it and, um, yeah, it's really nice, but it's, it's definitely the positives that way. I mean, I mean, we've fixed it because we can kind of identify when it's too much work and say, okay, we're not going to talk about work tonight. Let's just go to the movies or whatever it might be. But, um yeah it, it is it, I'm so lucky to um, work with her it's been it's been like a it has I mean it started as an actual dream for her but it has become
0: like it we're living a dream I suppose and the other relationship that you share with your followers is of course with your fiance yeah <laughs> um, and I always find this interesting there's a quote I always come back to from one of my favorite writers Caitlin Moran who talks about it sounds like the kind of not the feminist thing that you should say but the most important she says that one of the most important decisions you can make as woman is who you share your life with as a partner what do you think has been I don't want to say that the secret to your relationship or successful (laughs) relationship because if you knew that you would be a billionaire by now but what do you think is kind of something that you really focus on or that you've learned for your relationship
1: Yeah, I love that quote. um, Janine Ellis says exactly the same thing. So I think it's okay to, you know, I I know that I'm, you know, independent and strong by myself, but having Dalton as well is the best thing, the best support. I think for us, the best thing for me is having someone who, and Dalton doesn't, he kind of works in the same industry, but a bit different, but it's enough that he understands. We both understand each other's work, which is really good. But I think the... The thing communication is obviously so important. And that's anytime we get in a tiff, it's always when there's been no communication. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. But for me, it's just having someone who uh, it's kind of the same with Steph It's funny. I always say, like, seven Steph is my, my best friend, but my work wife too, I suppose. But having someone who has your back all the time and just supports you and is proud of you and is really nice Dalt is such a good supporter to me and I get really bad anxiety sometimes and he helps me so much with that he just talks things through with me and really wants the best for me in my work and everything and he's always there when when I need him and he's also he's quite different to me I'm much more agreeable and softer than he is he's more I suppose he can he's a bit more I don't know what the word is but in a for example in a negotiation I might be more not between us but in in a work sense I might be more inclined to just be just agree because I don't want to hurt other people's feelings but he's a bit more stronger with his opinion and we've really I think from when we first met we've helped each other so much because we kind of complement we're very very different polar opposite but we complement each other and it just has worked really well
0: The sixth product on your list is the Biosynce Squalene Oil. Yes. Tell me about why this one, why you like this one so much.
1: So this is a newer one that I have discovered maybe three months ago or something. And I love it. I put it on my face every single morning. And I think I will, it's one that I've I've already re-bought it because I use it so much. But it's a beautiful oil because it's not true. You're probably can, anyone listening, I uh, don't like heavy things on my face, so it doesn't feel too heavy. It's a really light oil, and it gives your face a really nice glow. And I like the the brand; this is just a really nice brand. They're really ethical, and I'm gonna get this wrong, but. The squale. There's two types of squalane There's I think squalene and squalane and one of them is from a shark, which is obviously very, very, very bad. But this one is
0: plant derived, which is awesome. So yeah, I really like it. As you mentioned, you are engaged, an experience that again you shared with your followers. So it kind of yes. feels like a journey <laughs> with you. And weddings tie into so many things. Obviously, health and fitness, beauty and fashion. Listen to a few interviews where you talk. You're obviously excited to get married, but. How are you approaching the actual like logistics of getting to that point of planning the wedding? Is it the part that you're enjoying or? (laughs) Yeah, not
1: really. I'm not really a wedding person. Um, Dalton and I literally we've a hundred times we've said to each other, let's just elope. But I really just want that moment. I want to wear a dress like a wedding dress and I want that moment where I walk down the aisle and I see his face and that's something that's special to me and so every time we kind of get to this point we're like yep that's it we're just gonna elope then I'm like oh but I want to have that moment so we're trying to find a balance between it but Dalt is way more organized than me we'd actually planned to get married in March and to no, today it's Feb now but we we're actually meant to get married on the eighth of March, which is very soon. In a few weeks, yes. Yeah. Uh, except we're not, um, <laughs> because it got. We started planning, and to be honest, it was Dalton did everything, and I was kind of like, I don't care, whatever. Just I really like. I honestly styling is not my thing. Choosing a placemat is not my thing. Choosing flowers is just, I'm just, I'm not interested. I could never work in event planning. I'd be the worst person in the world at it. And so with Dalt, he was planning everything. Um, and then we kind of got to the point and we looked at like what we'd planned and we were like, hang on, this isn't even us. And it became more stressful, I think then. And it became like, a, like work. Like I was like, oh, I have to get home and I have to do it and I don't want to do it. And I'd kind of, even when we had, time to do it. It didn't feel like an enjoyable process. It just felt like something we just had to tick off. And I didn't want it to feel like that because I feel like it should be such a special time. And I think we were kind of operating on a timeline that we thought we had to get married straight away after we got engaged. But what we've learned is this, and there's a lot of things in weddings, traditional things that probably don't really work for us because of our family dynamic. And so I thought, I felt all this pressure that, you know, I had to do everything that was traditional and we had to get married within one year of getting engaged and all of these things. But then I think we realized that, hang on, this is literally our day, we can choose. And I think, cause I'm just such a warrior. Like I worry about if we don't invite this person, they'll be upset. And there's just, I, cause I always think about that and I don't like being, it's funny. I love doing public speaking and things about like motivation and helping people, but I don't like being, the center of attention for things that aren't about like I don't like I don't know I just don't really like it so knowing that like everyone has to dedicate a whole day to come to our wedding and like they might have to drive far like all these things I'm like oh this is too much for me so (laughs) I'm a bit of a disaster but we will plan it and what we've decided is it's going to be kind of like a mix between a wedding and a loping so very small probably about 40 people so yeah extremely small and just like a little celebration night Doing it on your own terms, I love it. Exactly, and I think, yeah, I just think that I didn't really know that you could, but now I'm like, why why couldn't I? <laughs> so yeah, that's what we're going to do. But probably next, wait, we're in, no, this year, probably towards the end of this year, but again, not putting any time pressure on ourselves.
0: The, the next product <laughs> on your list is the Charlotte Tilbury Light Wonder which is a foundation. Mm. Tell me about why this has made it onto your list. I'm very lucky in my job to get my makeup done a
1: little bit. And this is a foundation that lots of makeup artists use. And one makeup artist, Cassandra, who does my makeup quite often, who is also one of my friends, she recommended this to me. And I feel like once you see a makeup artist using a product, you're like, hey, this must be a very good product if you're using it on a shoot. So that is why I, I bought it and I really like it and Uh, it's lasted me ages I had one the bottles are quite small but I've had it I also don't wear makeup that often but I've had it for a year and it's only just run out but it's really light I don't again I don't like I've moved on from the Maybelline <laughs> dream Muse days and I just like something that it kind of evens out your skin tone but you can still see your pores and like if you have
0: freckles you can still see them and it's glowy so I really like it. Through work you do work with makeup artists and getting your makeup done for things but I know that you said that you kind of getting made up isn't necessary when you feel most comfortable, almost feel like yeah. you. What do you, how would you describe your like signature look then? I find that
1: if I was going to a meeting and I would do wear I would wear something. My signature could probably be my you know also the thing I always get this mixed up. It's sh- sh- between Chantelle Tilbury and Charlotte Tilbury. It's Charlotte, is it? Is that right? Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, so I wear <laughs> Charlotte Tilbury. I did a whole YouTube video once where I was like I love this Chantelle foundation. <laughs> oh no. So I was like no, anyway. Um so the Charlotte Tilbury foundation and then just like I'll use the chubby stick because I like the clinic chubby stick because it's very dewy. Um and then I just brush my eyebrows, mascara. I have a MAC paint font jar for my eyeshadow. shadow. Um, it's like a very light brown color. So I just put that on with my finger. And yeah, that's probably my go-to look. It takes five minutes, super easy. And then if I'm going to an event or something where I know I'll be getting my photo taken and things, I will probably... I mix in a little bit of there's a luminous Giorgio Armani luminous silk is a really nice foundation so I mix that in it's a little bit more coverage then I might try and do some more eye makeup just to see how I go it's so funny sometimes I'll do like a really good job and sometimes I'm like what on earth have I done here (laughs) but I just actually Mecca Max just bought out this palette and I saw so many people posting about it so I went and bought it it's a big palette it's got all these pinky brown colors and it, I think it's got like 12 it's called a face and eye palette but I don't know how to use it on my face so I'm just going to use it on my eyes I don't think it is actually- yep so um I've been using that on my eyes and I really like it but I think it was it was 35 or something
0: such good value but yes <laughs> one thing that's really striking is your kind of exuberant optimism and positivity mm-hmm. you are literally just like a ray of sunshine which is so lovely to be around and to see does that ever feel like a pressure in itself when people know you for being always positive and upbeat
1: yeah thank you that's really kind of you to say that definitely I think I oh it's hard I, I I mean I like being positive for people and I in my in my work I mean I hope that I'm like that I try to make people happy because that I suppose I find that when I make other people happy that very much fuels me and makes me happy knowing that I've done that I suppose and then I get happy from that so really I might be a bit selfish because I I, that is actually what makes me happy stealing stealing other people's happiness but I do sometimes I, I mean as I said like I get anxiety and I put a lot of pressure on myself sometimes and so sometimes – and I'm also quite a – like with what I post on Instagram and what I share of my life, I'm very much – of spare of the moment kind of person and I'll either feel like sharing everything or I will just go in a shell and just not and I, I can't do it I can't share things and I can't be happy unless I actually feel it like I just can't fake it I absolutely can't do it so sometimes if I am really stressed I think I put more or I am really anxious or overwhelmed I put more pressure on myself than I suppose I maybe a normal person would because I just I'm kind of no I don't know I just put pressure on myself to make other people happy so then sometimes if I can't if I'm not happy myself it can be hard but it's okay I mean I love doing it and yeah it's really nice that people know me for that like it just that makes me really happy that you said that so thank you but I think it just comes back to the just dealing with all the trolling and everything and so it's hard but you know that's it's that's the one small negative thing about what we do and that's you know compared to all the positives that come out of it I can't even compare it so I try not to worry about it too much and I don't want to complain about it because I'm like oh no I'm so lucky to do what I do so
0: yeah no and that's very apparent but it's good to be realistic about everything that comes with what you do as well who is someone who has really um, shaped you either personally or professionally or inspires you a
1: day-to-day? Well my mum definitely she worked so hard to give us the education that we got as I said and kind of gave up a lot of her my parents separated when I was quite young and mum we spent most of the time with my mum and so she didn't really have a social life because she was always with us so she gave up a lot for us so I really admire that in her and then I suppose I, I admire Steph a lot, which is amazing. I get to work with her every single day. She's such, She works so hard and it's really special to be around someone like that all the time. And then it's funny, I another one is Michelle Battersby who we've just hired. And it's funny with, with me, she's been my friend for quite a long time and she was always my person I went to. For advice if, if I needed any in any situation I trust her opinion you know a thousand percent and now she works with us which is just amazing having her um, in the office so I'm very lucky to be surrounded I suppose by you know my mum Steph and Michelle and all women that I admire and look up to all the time and because I think it's funny I think that you sometimes feel like you have to know everything and you have to be all under control and everything's put together but I don't really think anyone has everything together so it's nice to have people around you that you can I think it's important for everyone because I feel like sometimes especially with confidence if you do suffer with sometimes you don't have high confidence which sometimes I have i sorry I don't have um it's nice
0: to have women around me that make me feel good and can lift me up and inspire me the final product on your list is a bit of a tool that you'll be taking with you which is an eyebrow brush yes (laughs) so tell me tell me why this is a must have for you
1: I I just I feel like your eyebrows shape your face I think I read that in Dolly magazine when (laughs) I was younger um and it's the one thing I mean it takes five seconds but I'll always notice it if my eyebrows aren't brushed up. So, that's, I'll do that every morning, no matter what, wherever I'm going. It's kind of like my non makeup, makeup thing. Like I could put my, my sunscreen on and then my Squail Lane oil, <laughs> my new thing, and moisturiser, and then I'll brush my eyebrows up and then
0: I'll leave the house. As you look over the rest of the year to come, 2020, what's kind of your main, main goal? And then that doesn't have to be work wise, it could be personal or anything. What's kind of when you get to, December 31st what's kind of the one thing you hope to have you've done or achieved?
1: Oh that's a hard one I think probably to be more sure of myself I think that's something that I'm really trying to work on this year and, and you know it's a As you said, a work in progress and it's never going to, I know I'm never going to be a hundred percent. I don't think, well, I mean, if anyone is a hundred percent sure of themselves, come and talk to me because I'd love to know how, but I think kind of balancing that and also balancing, I know there's also, there's no secret to work-life balance. I really actually don't think that it exists. I think that if something always has to give, so there's always going to be something that's lacking, but just to try and find a way to operate where I don't feel as guilty for letting other things like you know if you work a lot then you might not see your friends and your family as much and then you feel guilty about that but then if you see your friends and family a lot then you're not working as much and then you feel good gu- you know there's always something and so kind of trying to find a, more of a balance with that is is my goal and you know my I it will take a long time and again I don't think there's a perfect solution. But just finding a better solution, I suppose, than kind of how I deal with it now.
0: You've talked us through the eight products that have a special memory <laughs> or meaning for you or that you just love. And now you said it was hard picking the eight. Obviously, you know what's coming. You've got to pick just one to take with you to Beauty Island. I will caveat this by saying I will give you your sunscreen nonetheless. Okay, so you thank don't have you. to worry about that. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be anything practical. It could just be the one that you would like to keep you company or to use. So which one? of your list would you pick oh my
1: goodness this is very hard well, probably not the dream moose <laughs> i believe that at home. i think the novelty uh, would wear off in about 30 seconds oh, maybe i'm gonna have to say the eyebrow brush it'll be it's between that and the go-to masks because then i'll just be glowing all the time because do we get unlimited do i get a mask a day yes
0: you get an unlimited supply of whatever you choose okay
1: if i get a mask a day i'm gonna have to go with the go-to mask because that would be the best <laughs> and i'll brush my my eyebrows up with my um i'll find something that i can make on yeah, the island i did have a <laughs> funny
0: vision of you kind of like just surviving with this eyebrow brush <laughs> like building shelter and it's all fishing <laughs> yeah. um but excellent choice you will have the best kid on yeah. the island laura thank you so much for sharing everything with me today it's been so lovely to chat thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the brilliant Laura Henshaw. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find where to follow her, find out more about Cubit Cleaner plus a list of all the products that she spoke about in today's episodes in the show notes. If you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS, where I regularly share products I'm loving and talk about all aspects of beauty culture. I also have a regular beauty newsletter called It's a Beauty where you'll get reviews, recommendations and tips and tricks of my beauty column delivered straight to your inbox. The link to sign up to that is also in the show notes. If this is your first episode listening to Beauty Island, I recommend having a cheeky scroll through the backlog. We have three and a half seasons for you to explore, talking to some of of Australia's and the world's top beauty editors, makeup artists, brand founders and influencers. So I bet there's some other people you'll be very interested to hear from. So have a scroll. And thank you so much for listening again. And until next time, bye-bye.